Friends, we are invited to worship this holy God. To say that God is holy is to say that He is set apart, that He is distinct, that He is in a category all by Himself. And that He is worthy of praise, He's worthy of adoration. And so we do gather as believers, as people of faith this morning, to worship Him. And as we've been journeying through a particular portion of the Bible, we've been in the book of Exodus, and we're returning to Exodus this morning. We'll be in Exodus chapter 31, the second book of God's Word, a portion of the Bible that particularly emphasizes and conveys that God is holy, that He is worthy, that He is distinct, that He is set apart, and that to be in relationship with Him is quite a privilege. And so as we've been journeying through this portion of the Bible, God has been instructing Moses, who's the leader of a, of a people that God has rescued, a people that God has redeemed out of slavery in Egypt and brought them into the desert on their way toward the promised land. He's been giving Moses instructions about this relationship that he is to have with them. He is inviting them to know him as their God, and he is committing himself to be their God. And in process, he says things like, you will be to me a treasured possession and a kingdom of priests. He invites his people, he invites the descendants of Abraham, the Israelites, he invites them to know him and to live for him and to be a beacon of light to the nations and the peoples around them so that they may too come to know the good and gracious character of our God. He invites us, we serve a God who invites us to be a part of what he is doing. And so last week, as I introduced a, a challenge for us, a theme for us for the month of May, help us to pray. God, open our eyes to those around us beyond our church family and community that, that you have put in our path, that you invite us to, to lift up to you, praying that you would work in their lives in a great and mighty and gracious way. And so I challenged us to, to consider a thousand people, a goal of at least a thousand people for us as a church family to pray for by name, by first name, during the month of May. To take those little prayer cards that you see out uh, in the foyer, to take those with you and to, to, to discern, ask God, show me who to pray for this week. Maybe it's my neighbor, maybe it's somebody in this community, maybe it's my child's teacher, maybe it's the, the waiter or the waitress that serves me as I go out to eat this week. Show me who to pray for and trust that the Lord is going to work through that, and I believe that he is. And so even today, this morning, after just one week, you have already prayed for 220 people by name. Praise God for that. Let's continue trusting him and inviting him to show us and to lead us. We invite you and encourage you week after week to take one or two of those cards to, to ask the Lord, show me who to pray for this week. Pray for them. Pray that the Lord would work in their lives for His glory, bring that card back and let's celebrate what God is doing through that. Also, to that end, last week we went out into one of the neighborhoods here near the church through uh, Engage Meadowbrook and we had a number show up for that. We had 49 encounters last Sunday afternoon, meaning we, we talked with 49 folks. We had 30, uh, 30-something, let me check here my notes. We had 30, uh, 31 that allowed us to pray with them there on the spot. We had six gospel presentations in just a short amount of time. We had 10 that we marked for some sort of follow-up visit. So church, God is at work. He's at work in our lives. He's at work in this community. Let's trust Him to continue working for His glory. So this morning our text is Exodus 31, beginning in, in verse 12. And as we saw last week, we saw that God 
tells Moses that he has, he has equipped and he has called a couple men, uh, Bezalel and Aholiab. He has gifted them to build the tabernacle and all its furnishings just as God has instructed. And so now they are getting ready soon as Moses is to descend the mountain. Uh, presumably they're getting ready to begin that work, to begin the process of building this sanctuary, this house for the Lord. But before Moses descends, God has one final bit of instruction, reminding his people that they are to pause, that they are not to work continuously, but they are to pause and to trust him and to observe the Sabbath. So let's hear from God's word today. As you find your place in Exodus 31, let me invite you. To join me standing, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's holy word. Exodus 31, beginning in verse 12. The Bible reads this way. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath, because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone, Inscribed by the finger of God. Would you pause with me in prayer? Father in heaven, we invite you now to direct us, to speak to us, or to clarify your word and your desire for us, Lord, that we might be faithful to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I asked someone, I won't uh, mention the name, uh, but uh, I asked someone, how you doing, how was your weekend, and this particular person said, um, uh, busy, but good. How often do we say that today? That's almost become a default for many of us. We used to always say, well, I'm good, I'm pretty good, how are you? Well, now it's, I'm busy, but I'm good. You know, most of us suffer from busyness syndrome, Characterized by the constant attempt to get ahead. Be it in school, be it on the ball field, or in the workplace. We want to be known, valued, and prosperous. And so we often attempt whatever the corporation, whatever the coach, or whatever the broader culture says it may take. Even if it means less rest. Even if it means less church. Even if it means less time with family and friends. In fact, I remember as I was thinking about uh, this message for today, I I recalled an assignment that I received in seminary one semester in a spiritual formation class um, that required Sabbath rest for several consecutive weeks, like like an all-day assignment. That sounds really good, uh, except when you feel like you've got 
more to do than you can possibly get done. And so you, w- you wouldn't believe the reaction from uh, us uh, full-time students who were also, most of us, uh, working part-time jobs. You, you wouldn't believe how we responded to such an assignment. We, we don't have time to rest. We've got papers and Greek exams and sermons to write. We're thinking, how can we fudge on this assignment? We'll have time to rest one day, but not one day this week. That's the whole point, right? Stop striving to build a name for yourself and start resting in the name that the Lord your God has given to you. Friends, that's what the Sabbath is all about. Acknowledging dependence on the Lord. Resting, remembering, and worshiping the God who saves. God gives Sabbath rest to mark His people. God gives Sabbath rest to mark His people, to set them apart as distinct from the rest of the world. Here God says, verse 13, this will be a sign between us. God says to the people that he has rescued, this is going to be a sign between us, a covenant sign signifying that these particular people, that these Israelites are God's people, that they trust him to provide for them, that they belong to him. They are his people and he is their God and that they are made holy By him, meaning distinct and set apart from the nations surrounding them who worship other false gods. God gives Sabbath rest to mark his people. And God gives Sabbath rest to grow his people. To grow his people. So we've already seen, as we've been tracking through this portion of the Bible, we've already seen that the Sabbath day is one of the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth commandment. Day And there in Exodus chapter 20, where we read those commandments, God says the seventh day is a Sabbath rest to the Lord your God. Meaning that's a day set apart from the rest of the week for sacred use. It's the Lord's day. Everything is His, but especially, you might say, this day. Verse 13, say to the Israelites, you must observe My Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come. So you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. In other words, like the rest of God's instructions that are found in this portion of the Bible on facilitating proper worship. This too was about facilitating a proper relationship between God and his people. If you've ever been on the giving or the receiving end of marriage advice, you may have said or heard, don't stop dating your spouse, right? Continue to to set aside special time. Continue to date one another. Continue to to set apart distinct times, certain times, be it weekly or monthly or however often that you can in order to foster and strengthen that relationship. And if you've been a part of that practice, then your marriage has probably been strengthened as a result of it. Friends, likewise, God made us to be in relationship with Him. He made us to know Him and to depend on Him. He made us to know Him. Of course, the Lord remained Israel's God every day of the week. But here's a day, one day in seven, dedicated, dedicated, set apart to growing that relationship with Him. 
In fact, the very pattern of the seventh day served to remind the Israelites that their God was the creator, that he was their God. God gives Sabbath rest to grow his people, reminding us of creation, reminding us of creation, reminding us of his creation and his role in creation. How so? Well, God rested. You know that story, the story found in the opening chapter of the Bible, in the first page of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, God rested on the seventh day as a way of celebrating what he had done. And so, God says here, verse 17, it will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now, God doesn't need rest. He's always awake, he's always alert, he never slumbers, he never sleeps, he never grows tired or weary, he doesn't need rest. But to say that God rested on the seventh day was to say that his work was complete and that he enjoyed it. That he was refreshed in that way. In fact, there's a sevenfold pattern in these chapters, in Exodus chapter 25 and following, structured to remind us even further of that creation account. I'm convinced, as many... Uh, as many Bible readers and interpreters are, I'm convinced that the author of Exodus, that Moses is intentional about this. He's taking this a step further. He wants us to think of creation as he writes uh, about God's instructions here. You see, just as Genesis 1 is structured with, and God said, and God said, and God said, right? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, and God said, and God said, all the way through the six days of creation. Likewise, God's instructions here in this portion of the Bible given to Moses as Moses is meeting with God on top of Mount Sinai are arranged with, then the Lord said to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses. Culminating in the seventh then the Lord said to Moses, right here in verse uh, 12 of chapter 31, uh, with instructions on practicing Sabbath rest. You see, God gives Sabbath rest to grow His people, reminding us of creation, but not just creation, also reminding us of redemption. Give Sabbath rest to grow his people, reminding us that he's creator and reminding us that he is our redeemer. Reminding of people who are prone to forget. We are prone to forget. Reminding of people who are prone to forget that the same God who created them to know and to enjoy and to rest with him in the Garden of Eden, that paradise, has also now recreated them to know him and to enjoy them and to rest with them in the promised land, the land to which they are going. And so... When the Ten Commandments are repeated elsewhere in Deuteronomy to the next generation, the following generation, on the precipice of entering that land, God says to them, Deuteronomy chapter 5, He says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Don't forget it. Remember from where you came. Don't forget your condition. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, because you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord redeemed you, He rescued rescued you. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Friends, God gives Sabbath rest to grow His people, reminding us that He is our Creator and Redeemer and providing a rhythm 
for generational discipleship. Providing a rhythm for generational discipleship. The penalty prescribed here for breaking the Sabbath is what? It's death. Yikes. God, isn't that a bit much? Sounds rather harsh and severe. But observing this commandment was about maintaining the relationship. It was about maintaining the relationship with the Lord. The Sabbath was not a day for business as usual, but a day to grow in relationship with the Lord God. And so to ignore his instructions here was to say, God, I'm I'm not interested in you. Thanks, but I'd rather do this myself, my own way. The relationship isn't important to me. You see, the penalty is serious because God doesn't just have this generation of Israelites in mind. He's not just thinking about these folks, but he's thinking about the folks that will follow after them. Their children, their children's children, their great-grandchildren. And you know what, parents, if the relationship isn't important to us, if if our relationship with the God who made us and who redeems us in Jesus Christ isn't important to us, we can almost guarantee that it won't be important to our children. One of the conversations that we're having as a staff, regularly, particularly age group staff, those that are charged with working with particular age groups in the church, is how can we better equip families to disciple their children? How can we come alongside? How can we be a part of of God's design to see generations raised up who hear the gospel again and again and again and, Lord willing, come to know and to follow Jesus Christ? God intends for our kids To learn the faith from us. On this Mother's Day, I can thank God today for a mother whom I know knows and loves the Lord. And who desired and who made it known that she desired that her kids would also grow up to know and to love the Lord. I can praise God today and thank God today for a grandmother who I know even to this day still prays. For her children by name and her grandchildren by name and her great-grandchildren by name that they too would come to know and follow the Lord. Verse 16, the Israelites are to observe this command, this Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. Friends, one day a week set apart for rest and remembrance and worship is a surefire way to guarantee regular opportunities to engage in faith talks with our kids. Mom, why, why, why do we got to go to church again today? Dad, why, 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 why do we have to have this family Bible study thing again on Sunday nights? Mom, Dad, why, why is it such a big deal if the tournament gets moved to Sunday? Little Johnny, little Sally, let me tell you, because... The Lord God Almighty has rescued us and invited us to be in a relationship with Him and to join with His people 
in praising Him and walking with Him and celebrating who He is and what He has done. Why is it such a big deal? So that our children may come to know the creating and redeeming God, the God who rescues us from slavery, the slavery of sin through His Son, Jesus, our Savior. God gives Sabbath rest to mark His people, to grow His people, and to show His people their need for a Savior. Friends, God gives Sabbath rest to show us our need for Jesus. To show us our need for Jesus. The Sabbath was not a rule to follow in order to earn God's favor. Don't hear it that way. None of the commands were this. For all of the people to whom God has given these commands have already fallen short of God's standard, as we have. It wasn't another box to tick on a list of works that had to be done to achieve salvation. It was about a relationship. It was about knowing God. It was about receiving the rest and the relationship that He offers by His grace, now provided to us through Jesus. The Jesus who said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Is anybody weary and burdened? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Come beside me. Come learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, God's commands aren't meant to be a burden. They're not meant to be a burden for us, certainly. They show us our inability to measure up, and they show us the standard of this holy God of whom we've sung about and who we've sung to. They're not meant to be a burden, but they're about a relationship, about facilitating a relationship that honors the Lord. Friends, our souls need rest. We're not talking about a vacation here. But we're talking about communion with God. Friends, we need communion with God. Famous words of Augustine of Hippo in his massive work, Confessions. He says, because you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in thee. God has made us for himself. He has made us that we might know him and enjoy his love. He has made us that we might walk with Him and ultimately we will only come to know Him through Jesus, His Son. We find rest from our labors in Jesus. So pause from your labor and enjoy Jesus. Pause from your labor and enjoy Jesus. As the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus fulfills it. He fulfills it. This doesn't mean that He does away with it, but that we understand it in light of Jesus Christ. He is our rest. And so our Sabbath rest becomes about Him. We find our rest in Jesus who has done the work for us. What work? Paul tells us, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's not from yourselves. It's not by works. 
not by works, so that no one can boast. Jesus Christ has accomplished the work of salvation for us. He achieved what we could not attain on our own. He provided what we do not deserve. And so to truly rest in Jesus is to lay aside religious efforts. Hear me now. It's to abandon self-righteousness. It is to reject the false theology of heavy rules and good deeds and to receive the free gift of God's grace. Friends, it is to know that all is well between you and the Father for the perfect Lamb has been sacrificed for you. It is to know peace and joy and fellowship with the living and loving Lord through faith in Jesus Christ. Friend, I don't know where you are in your pursuit of morality, your pursuit of self-attainment or self-satisfaction or self-achievement or your pursuit of God himself. But friend, I'm here to call you this morning to stop trying to climb a ladder up to God and start enjoying the God who has already descended the ladder to meet with you. Pause from your labor. And enjoy Jesus. Walk with Him. Rest in His grace. Run from the rat race to the one who gave His life to give you peace, to give you rest. To give you a reconciled relationship with a God who has not nor will not ever stop loving you. So what about the Sabbath for us Christians? Did the seventh day Adventists get this right and we simply... Miss the boat? No, I I don't think so. As Christians, we practice Sabbath rest in Christ. And one of the most tangible ways that we can do this is by setting aside Sunday as the Lord's Day. The day that Christians gather in His name, remembering and celebrating His resurrection from the dead. And this is why the apostles in the early church and the church throughout the centuries has regarded Sunday as the Lord's Day, a day that we memorialize the resurrection of our Lord. You see, just as the Sabbath observance memorialized God creating and redeeming Israel, so the Lord's Day on the first of the week memorializes Christ's resurrection from the dead. Just as the cup, just as communion memorializes the death of Christ, so are gathering together with believers, setting aside Sunday as the Lord's Day, memorializes the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ until He comes again. So what then is permissible for Christians on Sunday? Can we go out to eat? Can we mow the lawn? Can we go to the ball game? Can we play in the ball game? Religious leaders in Jesus' day surely would have said no. For them, this command became a detailed list of don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't walk this far. Don't pick up this object. Don't do any. It became about what you don't do. But Jesus seems to suggest it's about what you do. A day set apart. Set apart from the hustle and the bustle to remember, to rest, and to worship. You see, Jesus healed on the Sabbath. You know those stories. He helped on the Sabbath. He worshipped on the Sabbath. He gathered at the synagogue. He showed mercy on the poor. And in the wake of his ministry, his followers began gathering on the Lord's day to do the very same. So Christian, in the rhythm of your week, in the rhythm of your week, are you pausing from your labor to enjoy Jesus? Cease. Pause. Stop. And worship Christ. 
Believer, pause from your labor and share the love of Christ. Pause from your labor and share the love. Perhaps what's permissible for Christians on Sunday is the wrong question. Perhaps a better question would be, how can I devote Sunday to the pleasures of knowing God? To celebrating the finished work of Jesus Christ, to gathering with the people of Christ, to spreading the fame of Christ. And as we do, if we do, we will look different than the rest of the world and we'll have opportunities to tell the world that nothing in all the world is as satisfying as knowing Jesus. See, God gives Sabbath rest to mark His people to grow, His people to show us our need for Jesus. And finally, God gives Sabbath rest as a taste of eternal rest. He gives Sabbath rest as a taste of eternity. You see, for Christians, Sunday ought to be a taste of eternity. If you know God's love for you, then setting aside a day in seven becomes a joy, ought to become a joy, it ought to become a delight, it ought to be a privilege, a time for physical and spiritual refreshment that anticipates an eternity of the same. Right? When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, with no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. The author of Hebrews says it this way, there remains then, there's still yet to come, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. You see, the Sabbath rest practiced by God in creation, portrayed in Exodus, provided by Jesus and proclaimed here, is not simply the cessation of physical activity, but the enjoyment of spiritual peace with God through Jesus Christ. It is the joy and peace befitting for those saved and secure by God's grace. Listen to what Missy Takano, a missionary to Germany, writes about Sabbath rest. She writes, Sabbath rest is an invitation to practice for eternity. It's where we regularly, intentionally engage in God's rule and reign in our hearts and on earth. When we practice this intentional stop, she says, we make room for God to take up residence in our individual lives. When we do this together in the company of God's people, we're making space for it in our communities. Even better, she says, we are taking part in this new creation story, setting the stage for God to make his dwelling place, his resting place, right here. And so, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, make your place in our hearts. Lord, rule in us, lead us, and love us, stirring us to love you. So, friends and followers of Christ, pause from your labor and join the Sunday rehearsal. Join the Sunday rehearsal. Did you know that's what we're doing when we come together on the Lord's Day? We are worshiping the God who creates and redeems, and we are anticipating the enjoyment of His presence and His provision for all of eternity. Praise God that He has led us to gather on this Lord's Day to rest and to remember and to worship. May He lead us back again 
Toxie may lead you back again. Bill may lead you back again. Kelly may lead you back again. Kathy, back. may he lead us back again next week. Again and again and again. Lord's Day after Lord's Day after Lord's Day. Pausing from our labors to celebrate Christ's labor for us. Rejoicing in Jesus and magnifying his reputation in all the earth. So Meadowbrook, may the spirit of the living God stir us to join the Sunday rehearsal with great joy, with great delight, with great eagerness and anticipation, marking us as God's redeemed, spurring us on to growth in Jesus Christ, showing us our need for Christ, and prepping us for an eternity with Christ. Would you pray with me? And Lord, we pray that it would be so for us. Father, we pray that it would be so in our hearts. Lord, that we would be so enthralled with and in awe of you and your love for us and your invitation for us to be in relationship with you by grace through faith in Jesus who has done the work for us. Lord, may we be so in awe. Lord, that we eagerly set aside Your day, the Lord's day. Father, that we eagerly pause from our labors and the rat race and our busyness to walk with you. Father, hear our praise now. Remind us of our salvation in Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.